Welcome to Mindfulness in Sport by Quality Mind, where we connect you to the latest science, technology, and modern day tools so that you can dream it, live it. Whether you're an elite athlete, an aspiring athlete, a coach, a parent, or anyone who wants to get more out of your sport and life, we can help you get there. Learn more about the Quality Mind free app and proven techniques to help you harness the power of your mind. With your hosts, professional footballer Sean Higgins and a mind mentor who has worked with elite athletes around the world, Richard Maloney. And we're back for another episode of Mindfulness in Sport. Sean Higgins in the host chair. Once again, I'm joined by Rich Maloney. Rich, unfortunately not there in the office again, but looking forward to another episode. How's the week been? And what are we chatting about today, mate? Hello, Higo. Today is all about leadership. Leadership. What does it mean to you now? What did it mean to you when you were a young fella? Who you've learnt from? And then we'll probably finish with um, levels of leadership, if yeah. you're happy with that. Yeah, awesome. Well, it's, a, it's probably a fitting topic because we've touched on it in episode one when we told a little bit of detail around our story and how we met, but it, it really was the first interaction between you and I back in 2010, 2011 at the Western Bulldogs. You came in as our leadership coach. So before we get into maybe where we currently sit with leadership, and this is on the spot a little bit, but rewind back to that time. What was, you're obviously captain of footy clubs and involved with winning teams and premiership sides and, and that really sparked the leadership bug in you to be able to pass on to others and then mentor our leadership group at the time. But what was your initial thoughts and journey back then in, in terms of leadership? So, yeah, it was a, uh, when I had a good leader, I really knew it. Yep. And there was so many leaders. I mean, when you're coming through as a young footballer, there's a lot of egos. There's a lot of there's a lot of great people. There's a whole conglomerate of personalities, right? And so, when I I'd, all I knew is when I found a good leader, I stuck to him like glue. What stood out for you there? Uh, it's a very good question. I think just consistency in the message, actions, definite actions, and care factor. Yeah critical like really knew that person had my back and if was really honest with me if the game was poor and still accoladed me well but not over the top when I played well and all those sorts of things I learned most out of not what to do from leaders yeah to be honest with you yeah because I've had not that many I mean ones that stand out for me Trevor Barker when he took me to St Kilda he yeah. had me at Sandringham he was outstanding and then uh, Peter German who was at North Melbourne, who we had at we were Premiership captain and coach together at Subiaco. Again, they just got the group, you know. There was never, ever a time that you could see a, a murmuring of inconsistency or inauthenticity. It was pretty consistent. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think getting the group is there's, – there's a lot to that. There's getting the group, but getting the individual and the player and the person as well. And – some of the great leaders I've had or some of the great coaches are able in a way to get the best out of different people in different ways. Yeah. And I've written down a couple of things and a key point for me on leadership is creating an environment that best suits that person or that team and allowing that person to grow because of a little bit what you chatted about, but experiences I've, that I've had that people have allowed that for me and in a way probably – 
knew me in some areas better than I knew myself and allowed me to do that that way because they saw that that's how I best operated and could then grow into a personal player because of that. It's a really key point, I think, in in terms of leadership that you need to understand the group, understand the, the individual, and then allow them in different ways to be the best version of themselves, which we've spoken about. As a young footballer in your juniors, were you a leader, a strong leader, or a leader, or not a leader? Uh, no, I was leaders in different junior teams, yeah. And think about it, like, in my whole experience of running a leadership company is the best teams have a critical mass of leaders. Yeah. Right? That's, that's the key, right? So if you can develop more leaders very quickly, you're going to have more success. So when you were a young man coming through and you were given a captaincy or a, whatever, a vice-captaincy, how important is it and what level of, what age is it where you need to start learning leadership? Because you were probably a leader because you were one of the best players, right? Yeah, I was going to say that. And it's probably still reflected in junior footy today, isn't it? Because not so much in, in senior football, even at local levels, I think goes deeper than just the best player. There's more than just the actions on the football field or the way, the quality of talent that you are. Being the person, the relationships now is the it's probably jumping around a bit. The relationship is the biggest shift I've seen in 15, 20 years. Yeah. Than just someone who was a gun player, that mm. yeah, you're, you're a leader, to what impact can you have mm. face-to-face personally with another person and the relationships that you can build with not just players but coaches, support staff, whatever it is. That's the that's the biggest shift I've seen. That is the, that's the secret sauce, but it's not secret. But if you don't have that... If they don't have that ingrained in you as a leader, as a coach, and you're not people first, you're going to be found out, mm-hmm. especially at the top level. Because if you take your eyes off people, now we know coaches have done this. Mm. They come in saying they're people first all the time, but then when the pressure goes on, they start uh, creating clicks. Yep. They start having different uh, rules for different people, and they don't necessarily walk the talk. Yep. So as my point is, you're spot on, in my opinion. Like it's got to be relationships, critical, uh, and then knowing which buttons to push. But if they don't have that in their makeup, they will be found out. Do you think that's it's clearly something that can be learnt and taught? I mean, that, mm. and that's what you do and, and have done for many years. How difficult is it to change just the leadership development side of someone? That's a great question. So let me tell you a story. When I came to the Bulldogs. Matty Boyd was the first year captain from yep. uh, John Johnson. Yeah, and uh, the pretty much the fir- first or second. No, the first week I, did, I was in the office with him with James Fantasia doing an introduction, and he's your leadership coach and so forth. And you know, after I first spoke to the group, he says to me, "Listen, I really, really want to work on my leadership. How can you fast track me?" And so what we did is we put a survey out amongst all the players yep. and got a feeling of how well. Boydie was liked and respected, two different aspects. Was he liked or was he respected? Now, Boydie had a whole – his data came back saying he was highly respected, but he wasn't well – wasn't, you couldn't say, liked to the degree that he wanted to be because he was was such a high performer, right, on the track. So Boydie was so determined to become that great leader. That's what I loved about that guy. He just didn't leave a stone unturned. Yeah. Like Daniel Cross as well, those types of players. So anyway, we put this survey out. He wanted to work on it. So then we, we did a strategy, body and I, behind the scenes with no one knowing. We call it speed rating. And so Excel spreadsheet, all the players, all the staff, 
put them all on uh, in a column each from rating our their relationship from one to ten. Yep. And so one to four being poor, five to seven being average, eight to ten being excellent. So then he rated everyone in the whole club. And then he went about for the next three months building relationships with people that were in the poor to average mm-hmm. and building them into the into the green, which is the eight to tens. And he did it diligently all the time. And I'd check in with him as he's because I was coaching him personally every probably fortnight. And I'd say, Who are you going to work on this fortnight? And he was this, this, this. And he was always working on all the players and no one knew. Yeah. And so three months later, I think there was a, an article in the paper and uh, one of the, the coaches or of the club wrote saying that he's now really become a spiritual leader. Uh, he's been really working on his leadership, and it was just through that activity he go, plus other things. of Connection and relationships. Well, he was working on relationships, and we just – I said it was like pouring water into each relationship. Yep. Like if you've got no water in your relationship – It's not going to grow. Well, it's dry. And yep. so when you have to have a hard conversation with someone, it's already cracked, right? It's already broken. But if you've got a lot of water in there to nurture, you mm-hmm. can take a bit of water out. Yeah, I don't like Boydie, don't like Rich. And then you've got enough water there so it doesn't go dry. Yep. Yeah, and sure like enough, it. It, it worked. And we do that all around the world with Engage and Grow. I've seen people come out of that after a short amount of time saying, wow, what did you do with that such and such? She's now become, she's now become, you know, highly respected in the executive team and no one knew what she was doing behind the scenes. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah, it does. It's, um, well, I think it's been a big shift. When you started early days football, it wouldn't have been as common then as it, as it is now in terms of, I won't say just relationships. That's always been there, but it was looked a relationship back in the day, having a beer, catching up, mm. chewing the fat. What are you, you know, mucking around? That's yeah. He's he's a ripper. What a leader! But it's on a much deeper level now, even outside sport. But you you notice that when you go to organisations, mm. yeah. So talking of leadership, when I was at the doggies and you were in the leadership group at the age of what? Uh, Twenty. Did that did that help you or hinder you? Being in there, mm. um, I think honestly, both. Yeah, would have. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. H- how did it hinder you? Um, not so much from a group point of view, but probably just not being able to deal with the expectations and where to channel my focus on. Still being, and it's funny now. I have the conversation with young guys that come into the leadership group that they're voted into the leadership group because of the person and the actions that they've displayed and the way they've gone about it, mm. then you get in the leadership group and you think, oh, I must have to change when mm. you got voted in for a reason. But when you're young, that's that's hard to get your head around. And I think one of the most challenging parts of it when I first went into the leadership group was being able to lead and voice my opinion and lead the players when maybe my own performance wasn't at the level it needed to be. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest growth now, that you can differentiate that now. You can set the the ego aside, be vulnerable and actually admit, yeah, that wasn't good enough mm. what I did or my actions, mm. but still then being able to drive the group towards what's right. But when you're young in a team and there's guys that have been playing for 12, 15 years and you're sitting there on the weekend going, geez, I didn't really have as good a game as I should have or I know that I can have, how do I then – do I have the right to stand up and say, Rich – Mate, that wasn't good enough on the weekend, or mm. and that's that's the growth that's needed when you're young. So from that aspect, probably something that was a challenge and maybe hindered a little bit. Mm. On the flip side, I actually think that the first year that I went in was one of the best years I played. I felt like almost a sense of belonging, but that respect was there, and that I could fulfil a role in the team. Mm. Mm. How much 
in terms of percentage, do you think the pressure was added to you to be in a, once you became an, in the leadership group as a young man? In hindsight, no. Or at the time, at the time, I would have been no, no, no. I want to be in here. It's fine. Hindsight, yeah. Looking back, yeah, significant, extra added. Thirty percent, probably twenty to thirty percent. Internally, in terms of the football club, I think yeah, there's an extra responsibility, added responsibility when you go into a leadership group. I would have put 60% added mm. pressure on myself. And that was possibly why you were playing good footy but not great footy and inconsistent footy? I don't, I'm don't, just assuming here, mate. But uh, Well, the first year that I was in actually, I think, helped my individual performance. Yeah. At the same time, I battled injury that year, groin injuries, OP back in the day. But was probably the start of then two thousand that was so that was two thousand nine. Two thousand ten, eleven, twelve, some some injuries on the back of that. So yeah. in hindsight, then then yeah, that, that added pressure was something that was a challenge for me at the time. So we'll take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll jump into more of leadership that we're living at the moment. Mindfulness in sport is proudly brought to you by Quality Mind. Download the free Quality Mind app today if you're interested in learning more about mindfulness and further creating the life you've always dreamed of. Simply download the free Quality Mind app from the App Store or Google Play today or visit qualitymindglobal.com and take our free 60-second performance scorecard questionnaire today to find out how well you're going when it comes to being mindfully balanced. So let's chat about now where we're at with leadership through our experience, both in the sporting world, but also the experience you've got in the corporate world, Rich. Um, everyone would view leadership slightly differently in the words and titles that we give it. But you mentioned that you have broken it down to the seven stages of leadership. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, you don't get to nominate yourself as a leader. You get nominated as a leader. That's the most important aspect. So these five, I've got seven levels of leadership here, which to me are common sense, but they uh, distinguish a leader from a very immature age to obviously to an accomplished leader. But first and foremost is, like if you think about a football club, especially local teams yep. whether or netball club, whatever, it's the best player that gets a lot of the times pushed into a captaincy position. Yeah. And that person can sometimes be what we call a, the disliked manager level one the disliked manager so they they're really they're not respected they're not liked they've just been given the job through industry experience and performance and they know the in and outs of the operations okay so we've all seen them as captains right yep a lot of country footballers are like this <laughs> no because there's not a lot of talent sometimes and they get forced <laughs> in. I've, I've worked with country football all around australia yeah yeah. I've worked with 80 teams. I've seen people in positions where I just go dumbfounded. Yeah. But then we change them. Yeah. If they want to change, we force them to. <laughs> the second stage is the disrespected manager. Now, they've become liked or they are liked. Now, this isn't where everyone starts. This is just the overview of the five levels Doesn't to begin with. The disrespected manager, quite simply, is someone who has then earned the respect of their like. They're on the beers, maybe. They're a good person, but they're not really respected as a leader. Yep. Okay. The so third, that's the good bloke at the club, but really doesn't live up to the standards that a true leader should. That's right. He's not walking his talk. Yeah. Or she isn't. Yeah. They're just- But he'll be there for a beer. And banging out demands. Yeah. And pointing fingers. Yeah. All right? And when the big game's on the line, they're really there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The level three leader is I call the manager slash leader. So they've now understood that they are a leader 
and their actions are important, but at the same time as they're managing well. So there's two skill sets there, learning to manage and learning to lead, two different arts. Mm -hmm. And once the person starts getting that and then knowing the timing to manage and knowing the timing to lead, then they've gone to the third level, which takes them to the fourth level. The fourth level is the respected leader. And so they've now become consistent performers. They've earned the respect of they know how to manage well, they know how to lead. The person is very in a good place and everything's working more harmoniously, you could say. Okay. And that person does understand also that there is, there needs to be a leadership pipeline and they're nurturing to some degree. The fifth stage is the accomplished leader. Okay. The accomplished leader. Now, this person has already been in that position of level four into level five now for a year or six months or even not longer. And they really are seen as the go-to person and they're trusted and you can have that conversation about issues internally, externally, private issues, and they are a safe haven, Mm -hmm. right? Now, you sort of this is is the defining factor of if you're an accomplished leader or not. Throughout a year, that accomplished leader has at least two people asking to be mentored by them. That's how good their actions are. Mm -hmm. That's how well-respected they are. Uh, and they're grooming new talent through to the point where they're hungry for more, okay? And they're excited by showing a new talent how to shine that bright light into leadership. Yep. Okay? So if you haven't got the two, my suggestion is you can push yourself further to help others. Yep. And then, because uh, I think at the end of the day, my theory on leadership is the number one role of a leader is to create more leaders. Yep. Now, if you have that as your mandate, then what are you doing? You're caring, you're giving, yep. you're coaching. Okay, so then, so there are the five environmental leadership levels, right, in any team and organisation. Now, the next two, you can still have these next two without being a leader, but if you have these next two and you are an accomplished leader, you go complete next level. Yep. So the next level is I call the stress-free leader because they've really worked on their personal development. They understand that their role is significant. They understand that they're really working on their inner world now. Okay, because they know that they're emotionally intelligent. They need to be emotionally intelligent. They need to be really in touch with their thoughts and their their body, and, uh, and they're managing pressure like a pro. Now, a leader can still do that, an accomplished leader. But when you really focus on yourself at that level and you make it your priority is to manage pressure, then you'll take the next level. Then the seventh level, quite simply, is the intuitive leader. Now, this is my take on it. When you get to a level where, and this is really where I want the world to go, here you go. I want the world to go there because a lot of a leadership around the world, I'm happy to talk about any stage, really it gives me the shivers yeah. right, in certain aspects of, of this global world we live in. So the intuitive leader has got to a stage where they really become so stress-free, they're really connected to the inner guidance system. And then they can sit comfortably there and make most of their decisions from there and they know where to go to make those decisions. Yeah. And so this isn't normal discussion in everyday life, but this is where the world's going. And this is what is required because it's a more a heart-focused leadership yep. as opposed to, okay, I'm an accomplished leader. I'm going to be greedy. I might be a little bit me first, them second. The, the, the intuitive leader is very much centered on the greater good. And their role is now at that stage where they know they are a beacon of light. They're not there to just to be a leadership face. They're actually there to change a bigger picture. And they take that seriously. And their decision-making is based on the bigger picture as opposed to just that organization. So let's maybe tap into a little bit more of six and seven then. 
because I think in any aspect of life, workforce, sporting, you would all see levels of leadership at three, four, or five. Five being, you know, a great local sports leader or whatever it is. But from what I'm hearing, the, the level six and seven is really being able to understand A, you first, but then what's the greater good in this and coming from an internal place of what's best rather than just reactive to what's happening out there, the pressures, your team's lost too, so I'm going to react in this certain way. But And almost having that, no, trusting the the gut feel, so to speak, that this is this is right, and um, really getting outside yourself and making other people better is, and and that's sort of the difference between mm. six and seven to just being an accomplished leader. Yeah, seven is really a natural flow of staying in six a long time. Yeah, so really honing the art of being self regulation and not being reactive to the pressures that are there. That's right, and knowing that everything is in flow, everything's in perfect order, imperfectly, and just really stepping outside of the the high pressures, seeing it from a logical perspective, and then really getting heart-centred. And, the reason- and then that would feed to the team around you, wouldn't it? That's exactly right. Yeah. It's an energetic flow. Yeah. And so if you know you've got a boss that's or a leader that's that on that level, like, Wow. Mm. You've got a leader that isn't thinking far and beyond the needs of that him and his family or her and her family. It's now to the, to the needs of the greater good. Yep. And the reason I'm saying that is because our next generation coming through, it is a key requirement that they live passion and purpose and it is a greater good message. And then you're going to find that your influence will just go tenfold. Okay, so let's- some of the great leaders that you've worked with or any leaders, both in sport or in the c- corporate world, what are some of the tips that you get them to focus on to be able to start the process of being a stress-free leader? Well, it all comes down to, well, geez, what are the tips? It's about reprogramming yourself. We have discussed this many times yeah. on many podcasts, but we're all full of subconscious definitions, beliefs, and bad behaviors. Yep. Because pressure, my friend, is the is the teacher of high performance. It's simply simply that. If you are unable to handle pressure consistently, then you've got areas in your chinks in your armor. Okay, that means you got to build a stronger foundation. You can't reach the high performance. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So you well, you can't maintain it either. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so you can yeah. reach there temporarily, but yeah. ma- maintaining that position. But the thing I want, like you're talking individual and team for a second. If an individual, like I say, the best teams have a critical mass of leaders. There's just, there's just no nothing that beats that. Yeah. And then if those leaders are heart based, which they would be because they're in a leadership position, just imagine the energy in an organisation, yeah. in a team yeah. where you really give a shit about each other, you're caring. They're the premiership teams, right? Yeah. They really. Well, you can feed off it, and you can feel it, can't you? I mean, even now thinking about that, even if it's not on a conscious level, but it's on the subconscious level that great leaders you. And you hear it that, oh, I just fed off him because what he was doing or the influence that he had on the group, and that really is what you're talking about. And and momentum, exactly. And so when momentum happens in a game, when you've got a critical mass of leaders, momentum doesn't happen as long when it's happening against you. Yeah. Right? But if you've got le- less leaders all, all connected, or even just people that aren't connected, the momentum shift the other way in terms of the games on a roll will go longer. And so 
uh, energetically, everyone, uh, what's the word? They they step in for each other energetically to to stop momentum any yeah. other way because yeah. you've got more like minded, energized people around you on yeah. the same page. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, you can change that because of outside just physically what you're doing as mm. well. And we've spoken about energy and the impact that has, and you know, a lot of energy that we portray in different environments is outside our body. Mm. And so I think. It's a probably a deeper chat for another day, but I, I hear what you, you're saying, and it's more than just the individual themselves and physically what they can do, but great leaders can impact on much deeper levels than maybe what just their actions or just what they say. Yep, that's right. And so but back to your question about the key tips is you've just- So work on yourself. That's it. That's it. 100%. And all the things we've spoken about really in what we've been doing the last few podcasts is anytime you're being impacted by pressure, you've got to ask yourself what's happening, yeah. why, uh, and get to the point where you've workshopped yourself to a degree and fine-tuned yourself to a degree where it's a passion now to get yourself to that position because what's – this is pretty, pretty obvious, but really what's the main benefit of being a leader? What's the what's – the, main benefit or one of the main benefits of being a leader i'll tell you have you got anything for me are you are you uh, is this a question yeah i'm asking to me yeah well you say it's obvious but it depends what no you're right if you take the if it's obvious <laughs> if you take the ego aside then there wouldn't be really a benefit for me outside of being able to help others well the number one benefit in my opinion is you get paid more so that's the, that's the ego of the side. Well, uh, yeah, but, you know, you still want to live a comfortable life. Well, money gives you freedom. Yeah. And so the reason why there's so few leaders on the planet is because it's bloody hard work. Yeah. To work on yourself and to stand out. Uh, uh, see it as a responsibility rather than a right. And that really is the key to it, I think, for to people that it is an ongoing skill to develop. And you talk about that as a benefit, probably more so in the in the corporate world, because the higher up in management levels you go and leadership, then clearly there's a dollar value associated with that. And I think the benefit when you, in a sporting sense, when you mention, you know, the heart centered and working on yourself, is then being able to be that light for others. And mm. probably you you would have seen it when you helped sporting teams or been a captain and playing yourself, but seeing young guys coming through that you're changing their environment by the way that you've changed yourself or the environment that you've created mm. is is really what it's about, isn't it? Like Yeah. And hopefully the the success is there along the way. But um that probably is why six and seven is more of the heart space area and connecting with others rather than just your own performance and just purely leading by example, it's more, there's more than that. Yeah, six and seven you can do without being an accomplished leader, but when you do it on top of that, yeah. you become a major influence. So question for you, in current environment at, at North, the leadership group is new, relatively new, is it? Well, it's, it's interesting that um, you talk about weight of numbers. We've been a leadership group for a number of years now that we only had four, and I could relate to some of that momentum that you were talking about. And it, a critical mass of numbers is crucial in encouraging people to grow into that group rather than seeing as if you're segregated from majority of the playing group. So, yeah, it, it has changed. We're, we're a group of eight. 
now. And the interesting, just hearing about this and the interesting aspect of seeing the way that Shory goes about it with compared to other coaches that I had is so much of that heart-based leadership and the connection and it's been his biggest focus and area for development and improvement for our group and it's amazing how as a player you feed off that. Have you seen a lot of players really step up because of Shuri's heart-based focus? Yep. Instantly? Um, Maturing. Both? Mm. Yeah, so a little bit about that high performance. You can get – I mean, anyone can dish up a really good game or effort or, or lead, but then how regularly can you do it? And as a group, we're probably still learning that. But, um, yeah, clearly the weight of numbers has stood up because of that. Mm. And so do you have players coming to you looking for advice as an accomplished leader? Yeah, well, the, my mentoring this year and last year is probably with a few younger guys. And I think it's – you chatted about it before or I did asking you questions, but – hopefully sharing them with just some experiences that I had, mm. especially young guys that come into a leadership group because you quizzed me before of how that felt. I know how it feels. I live that. So if I can make it easier for them or just make them aware. Mm. Um, but the great thing about the young leaders coming through today is they, they want to know. They're thirsty for knowledge. And the environment is a safer environment to grow and care than I think's ever been around before. Possibly because the, the way they're nurtured through now is more professional. Where back in 2010, you, you still get good players with bad attitudes. Yeah. And so question for you again, what sort of leadership tip or quote or anything that stood out for you over your years of being a footballer? Has, has there any been one learning that you'd like to share or anything in particular? I think you mentioned relationships is critical. but Yeah, so the relationships side of it is, is something that I've – developed because I always held really high st standards for myself and, and drove the expectations of the playing group. I'm not sure if we spoke about this, this little quote, maybe back in the day, but no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Something that's stuck in my head because it's all fine when it's going well. And you mentioned I hadn't heard about that water concept, but when it gets dry and cracked, then that's really the test of it all. Mm -hmm. So investing in wanting to create an environment that allows for everyone to be the best player in person for himself. So that's one a bit of advice that's stuck in my mind. Yeah, rock solid, mate. Well, I mean, we've covered a fair bit of ground. I don't think we need to go into the way the world's operating at the moment. I think people have their own opinions on that and it's a discussion for it. Well, it's probably answered a few questions of that, hasn't it? Yeah. Today's chat and, and what you've shared with your experiences. So it's been a good chat. Buddy, I'll see you uh, next week. Good luck this weekend. Good on you, mate. Thanks for listening to Mindfulness in Sport. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Download the free Quality Mind app today and visit qualitymindglobal.com to learn more. Also follow Sean and Richard via the Mindfulness in Sport Instagram page today.